Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Dylan Gott. This is John Hastings. Speak, John. Hello, Dylan. My, speaking of hard times, let's talk about my dick. All right. <laughs> I'm surprised yeah. that you said that, started to say something else than said that. I thought that would have been the first things. I got, you got to do misdirection when you're doing it. You don't know, you don't know, you don't know what Man, I call the, the hard American times dream. promo was much different when Val Venus did it. <laughs> exactly. The hard times promo is much different when you realize he's not wearing any trousers and he's a man in a mink coat in the summer in the South. Like you're just like, <laughs> uh, speaking of hard times, hey, if you had Taylor ever ripped, uh, ever had one of your Gucci trousers incorrectly and you have to take it back and go, Alfonso, I don't know. I know that you're a blonde Italian man, but this seems like it's being done by a blonde Austrian man. Does anyone else understand me, baby? I am so excited to do some amateur psychology on Dusty Roads. Um, this week because oh, I think this yeah, entire man. 80s era, which we're going to be talking about Dusty Rhodes up till the point where he gets fired because Ted Turner's like, hey, don't do any blood. And he's like, yeah, no blood, but it's fine if two uh, muscle queens stab me, right, baby? Yeah, baby, baby. When you say blood, you of course mean uh, uh, you get it, right? And they're like, <laughs> Wait, no. I will cut like, myself. Someone will stab me in my eyes, though, sugar. Now, you are aware that professional wrestling is an uncontrollable sport where nothing is predetermined. And if I invite the road <laughs> warriors here, they may or may not stab me in the face with a spike in direct contradiction to your order. Now, what I'm trying to say is, which one of you would like to see me have sex with your wife? <laughs> I've got 15 tits on my body, baby. Um, uh, is the thing about me, baby, is I one time I've had I've had threesomes I was not aware I was participating in. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this week, of course, is Dusty Rhodes part two. We're yeah. picking it up part after two. his second NWA title loss. Defeat. Loser. Yeah. Boo. Yes, this is we're coming out of Dusty Rhodes, man of Florida, man of America, man covered in money for some reason, not saving it. Here's the thing that we all need to remember about Dusty Rhodes is he was a man who was known for constantly saying when he was in NXT, Vin, Vince better be happy I didn't save my money. I didn't realize how crazy it is he didn't save his money until we started doing this very podcast because good God, did this make man make cash. So like Kevin Sullivan, if he's appearing at an independent show, supposedly that's because Kevin Sullivan just likes to be part of the business because Kevin Sullivan like bought a shitload of property and condos in Florida and like invested in it. And I think Dusty just is one of those guys that literally just ate ribs every night and ha and had and took cabs until he had no money left. Yeah, because this is after his second title loss. And I think this is the thing about Dusty Rhodes is that Dusty Rhodes becomes the booker of Crockett pretty much when he comes in in 85 and is like a main mind in wrestling because I think he has this weird little man syndrome where he feels like he's not wanted by the NWA where it's like I was your biggest draw for an entire decade but you guys wouldn't put the belt on me because of some weird old I guarantee here's the thing is I, I guarantee that that is exactly what he thought. And I guarantee the ADA NWA was right now putting the belt on him because yes, he was a massive star in New York and Florida. They didn't fucking know who he was in tech. Like there's a bunch of places they didn't know who he was. And it's a bunch of places where that kind of look wouldn't have worked. Cause in the end, the NWA champion ha has to look like what people thought a wrestler looked like mm -hmm. at the time. Dusty Rhodes is never what someone thought a wrestler would look, look like. I'm not trying to body shame the man. I'm just saying, like, He's say what you bitch. want about. 
Yes, Terry Funk and Jack Briscoe and the, the NWA champions of this time, it was very much sort of the reverse of an ECW card, which is the NWA cards was kind of anything goes that works in that territory. And then at the very top was a very strict, technical, cool, like s- arm snap into sleeper hold. And just Dusty was never yeah. capable of that. And also, I guarantee Dusty was annoying as shit if you weren't Eddie Graham and he was making you so much money, like imagine that promo coming at you when you're trying to just eat a fucking steak sandwich at the <laughs> NWA conference. Ah, baby, let me tell you about your morning, baby. And he was shut the fuck up, Dusty. Yeah. So he gets into, by all accounts, sorry, he basically shortly after his second uh, NWA title run, he goes to Florida, of course, which were where his mate, his home base is. And Eddie Graham teaches him how to book. Yeah. And he's the head booker of the NWA in 1983, and this is really when Dusty starts to get payback. By payback, I mean like, oh, you didn't well, put me on top? You put Harley Race on top? Well, fuck you. I'm the, I chase the title now, but I will say this. He okay, so, no, rap. Go for it. No, you go. Go, go, go. And then I, I want to make a point very clear. I want you to say something, and then I want to make a point very clear, and then I want to hear your story. So very here clear. it is. Here it is. Uh, go ahead. Dusty Rhodes was like, we're on TV now. We need to compete with Vince. Who are the biggest stars we have? Me and Ric Flair. I'm sorry, but he was right. He's the best, most charismatic babyface they had. But they were also setting up Magnum TA. Magnum TA, of course, in 1986 gets injured. So you have to go back to Dusty. There was no B plan. They really got screwed over by that horrible thing that happened to Magnum. Like Their B plan was... They, they were like Dusty Rhodes giving the rub to Magnum TA is like, this is our top babyface now. And then Magnum gets that career ending injury. And they're like, I guess Nikita Koloff. Like they have no until yeah. they buy the UWF. And coincidentally, that's when Dusty gets taken out. I, there, it, in no in no version of this do I think there's a time where Dusty Rhodes doesn't go, OK, I'll just job to Sting when Sting's time is up. Or not do not job, but like do that baby face thing like they did with Andre and Hogan, where it's like he's the guy now, you know? Yeah. Okay. So what's interesting about this is just a I don't think it's so much vengeance, quite frankly, in the eighties. I, I see where you could see that, but I have to say I just don't see that in in being the head booker of the end uh, of the NWA is so different in the eighties than it was in the seventies because as much as everyone's like Vince is a piece of shit, Vince ruined the NWA. So did Jim Crockett. Jim Crockett really expanded and started using the other territories and the other wrestlers. And the North Carolina um, Mid-Atlantic Territory became sort of the, that's where you wanted to be, or the UWF, or a bit Texas. But it was more, that was the consistent one that never had problems. It was always sort of hot. It was always consistently sort of workable. All of that sort of, so fucking hot. (laughs) So I think so fucking sinewy and just. Hey, our territory is hot right now. So fucking hot. So fucking bend down, Mid-Atlantic, and (laughs) let me see the the outline of your underpants in your thick Ooh, yeah. business We're going attire. through hard and wet times over here I in can, Mid-Atlantic. Excuse me, Mid-Atlantic Territory. Is that your bulge in your business slacks? Mm. It is. You know, I never had these <laughs> thoughts about a man before Mid-Atlantic Territory, but I'd like to suck your cock. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is good. No, that makes they sense. Went out, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's the thing, though, that's really important to remember is that I'm okay. right, Dylan Drunk, is that I don't think that Dusty was driven out of revenge. I think Dis- Dusty was purely driven out of power. Like, he's just like, uh, baby, let me tell you something about uh, Dusty Rhythm's father is that uh, he called him, uh, he called Dusty my little giant fat stain on society. <laughs> Who's the stain on society now, Daddy? Um, and it was just that thing of like, I will prove my daddy I'm so much bigger and better than him. And it's that weird thing about 80s wrestling is he's like, I've made it in the absolute metropolitan, the hardest market to make it in. That's right. Greensboro, North Carolina. It's like, that doesn't sound impressive, Dusty. That's the other thing is none of the NWA achievements, because they're all like Southern capitals. It doesn't sound as cool as the WWF if you're trying to throw it in your dad's face. You know what I mean? Well, And also that these guys are already established in their territories by which like when they do... Like 1983, Ric Flair is already, it's hard to get Ric Flair to be a heel. And Dusty keeps being like, Ric Flair is the heel. I am the baby face. We're jumping around, but who gives a shit? But I am the baby face. And it's like people by 1983 had already, Ric Flair had been such a good heel that he turned himself face. And that's established in the first arcade where Dusty um, apparently comes up with the name Starcade, which we no, figured he didn't. out was just no, he a, didn't. Yeah, there you it's go. a game show. He didn't come up with shit. Did it? Was it Starcade with two R's? Because he may just added the extra R. He did add the extra R. Let's the, be the extra R's for Rhodes, baby. Boom. Yeah, the, the extra R. Yeah, the extra R stands for Rhodes. Get ten uh, percent of the growth. Which is very funny because, like, this is Courtney Hobson's notes, but it's like Dusty was the first guy to be like, hey, why don't we have, like, a super card? Which is so funny. Wrestling is that behind where it's like, why don't we put all our stars on one card? This guy's a real genius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Hollywood was like, wait a minute. Why don't we just put a bunch of actors who are famous in the same movie? Oh, my God. (laughs) How did it take wrestling, like, 60 years to be like, why is it George Gotch? Why does it uh, Hackenspit fight Gotch? I I think that might work. If wrestling was indicative of society, it'd be one of those things where it would be like the porn would be at the level we're at in society right now. But like mm-hmm. we would have just figured out pasta. Like someone would have just been like, okay, get this. <laughs> like the priorities in wrestling are always so weird. Like so many people wouldn't ever wear shirts. Well, it's all the other weird thing about this is, is like this shows how behind everything wrestling is is that like they're like um we should have a black star okay the best we can do is fat white guy how does that sound i mean i guess we'll meet in the middle on this one like that's yeah, yeah, yeah. what dusty Rhodes I mean, was like dusty Rhodes is the I didn't Elvis expect- presley of professional wrestling he just I didn't took expect- everything yeah i guarantee by the way they're like i didn't expect you to bend over backwards and give me exactly what i wanted and they were like, <laughs> <laughs> but this is like by the 80s by the time we're talking about his second title run dusty was like i'm done like i'm gonna get fatter and i'm the booker so looks like i win and he books himself to be fair kind of like a booker should which is like i'm very strong but i'm not the champion yeah and I'm, it's like the undertaker is pretty much how vince mcmahon would book himself if he was a wrestler and that's i'm gonna how dusty say Rose this the one problem that Dusty Rhodes did in this moment is that Dusty Rhodes kept trying to also have a ring jacket to match Ric Flair's. And this is a weird theory, but it's why he always looked less than Ric Flair is that Dusty Rhodes would come out in like a varsity jacket with Dusty Rhodes on it. And then Ric mm-hmm. Flair comes out wearing a chandelier. And I know this is a weird, <laughs> this is a weird production note, but it may, even though Dusty was like clear, like I'm the working class guy. When you stood the two of them together, you're like, I like, Dusty comes across way more like a bitch than Rick does. It's a weird thing to say, but it's like, it's genuinely how I feel where I'm like, yeah, I don't know if uh, it just, 
Rick looked way more of a thing than Dusty always did in the NWA. That's the interesting thing. Like, yes, I know that they were presented as being equal, but you looked at them and you're always like, no, Ric Flair is clearly better than this weird man. Well, the other, I guess the subtlety to that would be that Dusty Rhodes did start out as the American dream, the heel making, wearing all this shit and talking about, I'm the American dream. I'm better than you. Fuck off. I completely um, agree with you, but no one at the national stage was aware of that. That's again, mm-hmm. part of the problem. The NWA has the NWA is a bit more like, well, everyone knows all of this little stuff. And it's like, they kind, not everyone's Jim Cornette. And I think the, where they suffered was that when you have, when you're trying to tell a story, like Ric Flair is the, uh, is the awful corporate guy. And Dusty Rhodes is the man of the common people. You suffer in that. Like the, every one of these wrestlers is established within their area. Yeah. So you can't get Ric Flair to be booed in Greensboro. Like that could never ever happen. Whereas the I WWF, could. they're only showing people like this is the genius of Vince McMahon was we're gonna show everyone all these people to new eyes, to brand new eyes. So it, even if like Jake the Snake Roberts has like is over in Texas as a babyface, we're bringing him as a heel, and only thirty percent of those people who just watch wrestling are gonna show. So it'll be seventy percent the reaction we want, which will overrule those. 30% and that is the risk you take and that is why I think Vince McMahon succeeded where it's like he just put way more money into it and was like we'll get all these new eyes on it whereas Crockett kind of did the thing that you would do which is oh no we have this established fan base and then we'll just grow from there yeah I I'm smart you are smart and you're 100% right but it's also that thing of I don't think that the NWA Besides Ric Flair, Ric Flair always looked fucking cool as shit. The NWA, if you compare it apples and oranges, WWF to NWA, they look lesser than because of things like like Dusty's appearance versus who's Hulk Hogan facing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's just things that they could have done to sort of spruce up the fucking product 100%. that they just never did. And I kind of laid that a bit at Dusty's door because Dusty was in this weird way being like, well, we'll just outbook the WWF. And it's like, no, you don't understand. He's got you beat on all sides. You have to kind of emulate. If they had emulated Vince McMahon, invested not in planes but in like lighting for a fucking arena and maybe marketing themselves a little bit i actually do think dusty Rhodes's booking brain would have blown vince out of the water because it's much more compelling television it just looks shoddy and cheap always i mean he has a lot of straight up drugs ideas where like the the idea of war games which i didn't know recently was like war games is only until everyone's in the ring and then and then it's the match match beyond beyond. like that is the most cocaine idea i've ever heard where it's like no then it's a new match it's the match beyond because they fight in the stars and it's like okay okay dusty i get it hot dogs taste better with a bit of blow on them but you gotta cool down i don't think dusty Rhodes was doing cocaine at this time i think it's purely ego like i literally think because you net you would have heard dusty Rhodes was in a place of prominence and so many people want to call him a fucking asshole. <laughs> if he was on blah, 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 we would. No, was, no, no. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Well, this is the other thing. And then you get the um... like the Rock and Roll Express talk about it a lot in their shooter interviews. I watched a couple of sh- a bunch of shooter interviews in preparation of this about Dusty because I kind of wanted to know what not that beloved as a booker in this time period. Again, because mm-hmm. they all see him as this guy that was incredibly gifted as a booker, but also incredibly gifted at spending everyone's money on weird ass shit, like planes, 
and personal comforts. That's the well, other weird Dusty thing. Dusty blames a lot of that on Crockett, which of course he does. He would. No one with that big an ego is ever just going to take that shit on the chin. But and, and that's said. true. But but everyone then blamed. Like here's how you know Jim Cornette even says, and Dusty was getting Jim to buy a lot of like. Jim Cornette would defend Dusty Rhodes, and even he's like, "Yeah, old beef tits was fucking spending at the company store." Yeah, I I get that, and a lot of the stuff that really beef didn't help tits. was once again the fresh ideas thing with Vince, and then also like Dusty using a lot of territory shit that would pop a territory, but that's because you're you're booking in these like eight week increments you're not booking for television and yeah. that is the advantage of coming into something where it's like i feel like vince mcmahon had all these stored up ideas which is what conan o'brien said that about late night television where it's like when you lot i watched a lot of this stuff and letterman clearly did so we were like oh yeah. we love this so we want to do this and i have all these ideas and dusty had already been doing it for so long that he kind of was like Oh, I have all these ideas for matches in a territory sense to pop all these territories, not like, hey, this is a television show. And Vince McMahon clearly was like, okay, I'll do the promotion, and then we got all these territory guys, but at the end, when they suggest something, I'll be like, no, this is a television show. We need to make it for television. We can't just have... Because he's doing dusty finishes all the time. Like He does Road Warriors, he does it with himself, where it's like, oh, tune back in next week. It's like, no, we don't care anymore. Yeah, this is... the Well... No, we don't care anymore because they were on TBS and they were like a Turner property. And that is another thing where Vince had way more eyes on him than Dusty did. And production like Dick Ebersol cannot be said enough. You how much Dick Ebersol affected the WWF? Yeah, Dick Ebersol is essentially the most influential person, uh, probably the most influential person when it comes to putting any sort of athletic thing on television. Yeah. Dick Ebersol is like the Olympics are presented the way they are in America because of Dick Ebersole. If you ever wonder how influential that fucking guy is. Like, yeah, he was the guy who walked up to Vince McMahon and was like, hey, why are you filming this like it's a fucking play when it's just film it like a television show? Yeah, and it's so fascinating. What I love about Dusty in this time period is it's like a guy, he weirdly, he's acting the way you'd think Vince McMahon would act based on what we know about Vince McMahon. He's running around in mink coats, He's making the weirdest decisions. He's, well, he's already alien- 15 years in. He's, he's alienating everybody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Manny Fernandez is a tag champion, which is, who is his tag partner, and they win the titles. Uh, Do you know how Ivan bad Cole your life is? Your bad at life going is that your confidant and friend Dude. is Ma- Manny. None of, n- not, that's not even my real name, Fernandez. Can you imagine the absolute fantastic amount of like competitive lying that went on in those conversations were like oh. well that's funny because i was in the navy and be like oh that's interesting because i am a boat baby and he's like baby. i can fly and i'm a yeah. superhero i'm four superheroes baby have you ever seen two crazy people talking like they're having a normal conversation but they're talking about crazy things <laughs> i guarantee Neither of them were listening to each other. They were just saying things, and they were like, we're really good friends because neither of us listen, and the understanding is we back each other up on whatever other person does. Manny Fernandez said that he owns Cuba. He does. I once was sat at a a table with two very old, old comedians. Oh, yeah. Let's, for safety's sake, let's just call them Ron Hastings and Don Gott. Yeah, it was... uh, Their names rhyme with... Splam Splompson there you go. and and Blitchard Blett. Okay. And it was two 
old, old, old fucking bitter dudes that literally just talked at each other about lies for Mm -hmm. like 40 minutes and then went on to do a comedy show that they did not do well at and they had no idea. (laughs) Those are the best people, though. I assume there's wrestlers like that. It was like, what a great match. Uh, They spat on you and you're supposed to be the baby face. I got great heat. I always get great heat. Yeah, you took an actual shit in the ring. You took you like took down your straps and took a full shit in the ring. Oh, by the way, as of this recording, there's a lot of the uh, my autumn plans. The Delta variant. Dylan God has beaten all of you uh, for the greatest tweet ever, which was my fall plans. A man shitting into a bucket. Delta variant. He's shitting into a different bucket. Dylan God, ladies and gentlemen. That's at Dylan God on Twitter. And do yourself a favor. He's the only person I haven't muted. The first one was uh, a guy shitting into a porta potty he brought onto the New York subway, and the second one was a guy shitting in a mop bucket. That's good. That's good stuff. That's really that was good a real stuff. thing. A guy brought his own porta potty on the New York subway and the shit because he has the porta potty in a box that he had to go. It turned out he had to go and he just had the porta potty ready. I don't know if that is a prank. If it's a prank, it's the greatest prank in the world. Where it's like I'm gonna go with a fucking shit in the chamber, like fully in the chamber, and then act it's- out like. I got to go, guys. Good thing I just bought this porta potty. I've said it again. And I'll say it before and I said it again. The greatest moment in Jackass ever is when they're going to take a shit in a toilet in a plumbing store and the guy, they get stuck in traffic. So the guy just takes his shit in a van and then the next day has to go shit at the plumbing store. That movie, that is the greatest moment in the history of comedy. Oh, I'm going boom, boom. <laughs> Uh, my favorite is, uh, you know, no, I shouldn't say my favorite. I started that sentence in another way, but I would love to see Johnny Knoxville talk to Darby Allen about like the injuries they had because Darby Allen's like, yeah, I did that to like for the intensity of the match. And Johnny Knoxville would be like, yeah, I thought it'd be funny if I stuck a firecracker up my butt. It's just like yeah, yeah, yeah. guys with the same injury, but like one of them I'd rather, by the way, this is Johnny nothing Knoxville. to do with nothing to do with wrestling, but just terrifying. So they all, uh, they, it all comes from a magazine. I can't remember the name of, do you know, does anyone know how Johnny Knoxville got his job at that magazine? Johnny Knoxville said, I'll write an article where I test out safety gear and the end of it is I'll shoot myself with a gun while wearing a bulletproof vest. And they Mm -hmm. were like, yep, do that. And that's how Johnny Knoxville (laughs) got famous. If you ever wonder, you're like, how did Johnny Knoxville got famous? He's like, he shot himself with a handgun. Well, basically, I think the untold thing about Jackass is, first of all, me and John are right in the age where Jackass became popular. And it's basically there was this punk band who also skateboarded called CKY. CKY. Yeah, and they made tapes. And then Jackass were like, hey, let's be those guys, but funny and charismatic. And then they did that. And then they made a million dollars every two seconds. And I assume the guys from CKY just like have a nice house, but are pissed. No, they're fine. All the guys in CKY made up. So there's two crews in Jackass. There's one is the Johnny Knoxville crew from that magazine, Big Brother, the Big Brother magazine. The other half is the CKY crew. Oh, okay, cool. And then Brian Spike, and stuff. Yeah, Spike Jones literally just went, put them together. We'll call it Jackass, put this music on, and we'll film it like this. And they were like, and MTV was like, this is probably not going to work. And they were like, or you're going to be about to make a billion dollars. And they were like, what's that? And then they made so much fucking money. Yeah. And then they called the Writers Guild and were like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, click. Like I've seen a few friends of mine know vaguely what neighborhood Steve-O uh, is in, and they always mm-hmm. see him going into a juice store, which in this juice store for a smoothie is like $18. Like it's the most LA rich bullshit place. Like it has 
when you take doing coke a pound of cocaine every day out of your budget, you can afford those smoothies. I'll say that. I'm gonna you. say this right now is Steve O. I've never met him, but apparently Steve O, great guy, but they're like he's weird because he's super rich, but also mm. exactly that where it's like I can't spend this money on cocaine. Do you guys want to just go buy a dog and be friends with it? And, and I'm like, <laughs> what? And he's like, I don't know. I'm just I don't so know what to do. Yeah, well, what was I gonna say? Something really fun. It's gone now. Let's talk more about the show or one more Dusty Rhodes, unfortunately. Yeah, um, right. Dusty Rhodes. So basically, the uh, the mid-80s is Dusty Rhodes having some really good ideas as Booker. His entire wrestling career is basically like either making Magnum TA to get hurt. And then, and by, of course, making, I mean that Dusty, of course, cut his brakes and just went, baby, hear the thing about the American dream. I'm number one. <laughs> we need to get you over, baby. The horseman did it. How about that? That's a good yeah, yeah, storyline, yeah. baby. Uh-oh. I mistook reality for fiction again, baby. Yeah, he has so many matches with Tully Blanchard, I'm sure. Tully Blanchard is such a dick. Like, it's Well, just- within two years of being the an NWA booker, he wins the tag titles with Manny Fernandez, and then shortly after that wins the television title off of Tully Blanchard. And they he does team with Magnum TA in America's team. And I don't think... We did a Magnum TA episode, but I don't think we stressed in how Magnum TA was the NWA's ultimate warrior, where it's like completely different styles. Obviously, Magnum TA, if you're looking at pro wrestling, is far better equipped as a pro wrestler than the ultimate warrior. But within basically three years, this dude is like, yeah, he looks like Magnum PI. Yeah, he can wrestle. And then he has one of the best I quit matches still to this day against Tully Blanchard. And they're like, Double stamp it. This man is our champion. And of course, the horrible car accident, which I yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I feel Go like ahead. I stressed it once, but I feel like that is not mentioned enough where it's like, what backup plan? What baby faces did these guys have? They had Lex Luger, who they super pushed to. And then Dusty tried to give him the rub. But then it was like Lex Luger just isn't Magnum T.A. They also hated him. That's the other thing that's so funny about uh, like the Lex Luger rub is they no wrestler has ever been pushed more while being hated more. Do you know what I mean? They're like, we'll push this guy, but fuck him. Yeah. And he also, I think the other thing about Lex Luger was apparently he was like super, um, he's super withdrawn and to himself when particularly wrestling in the eighties was like, wait a minute, you're going to do a bag of a chotch and get drunk and just sport run over hobos with us. I guess you're just not a team player. Yeah. Uh, what do you mean you're not going to just hang out with Stan Hansen while he blindly fucks what he think is a, thinks is a woman, what is clearly just a lamp? <laughs> do you think that I am lariating this woman, this woman's tiny head <laughs> so hot? It's burning my penis, Magnum, Magnum. This tiny, this tiny woman with flowers drawn on her body with a bright, beautiful smile is burning my cock, Magnum. <laughs> Do you think that Lex Luger met Sting and was like, I guess this is what wrestling is. This is just some guys working out. And then afterwards, you get a light bite and you go to bed. And then, I you guarantee know, and then Stan Hansen was like, some cars run on piss. And then he pissed <laughs> in the tank of a car and he's like, won't drive anyway. Bye bye. And he was like, who is that guy? Oh, that's your opponent. Um, yeah, he met Sting. Here's the this is such an indictment of wrestling in the 80s is that Lex mm. Luger's like, I just need a normal guy. And then a man in full face paint all the time who just got a swirly from a racist was just like, oh. and he's like, Oh my god, it's the only normal guy here just wears face paint for his job. That's how weird wrestling is. Is that Lex Luger needed a normal guy 
the most normal guy wears makeup. Dylan, by the way, for those of you who don't know the video, just checking his Ashley Madison account. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was reading these quotes by uh, Manny Fernandez and Ronnie Garvin. And Ronnie Garvin, I don't know, because this is the thing. I wasn't alive back then, really. So I don't know as a baby how people reacted to this. But Manny Fernandez says, uh, Dusty was a booker, which is very funny, but also you, a very jealous person. Yeah, he thought nope. you were getting over more than him. Then he put the clamps on you. That's Manny Fernandez. To be fair, Manny Fernandez, Mike Rob Van Dam. Like we're both of the age where we saw Rob Van Dam during the invasion. And if you watch week to week for some reason, and you're much younger than us, you will totally understand. Like, oh, they had a chance to make Rob Van Dam like the next star. He wouldn't have been the biggest star as Austin or whatever, but like he would have been a a, a star, like a capable star. And Ronnie Garvin, I know they made the title. They gave him the title uh, when he beat Flair. And then it was just kind of like, oh, we were really into him like winning the title. But now that he has it, fuck off. So it's kind of like that Dolph Ziggler thing where Dolph Ziggler won the title. And I was like, yeah. And then I was like, I mean, yeah, Dolph Ziggler song or anything else. Yeah. Kofi Kingston. All of them. Basically. Bray Wyatt. That's basically the million. Yeah. Go so. ahead. Say say what you're. I was going to say is WAF is sort of stuck in this cycle because what it is is they can they have figured out how to market a performer back to its audience that you're going to like this guy, but they haven't figured out how to uh, replicate the organic like I love this guy. I want to see him every week for those verses that Austin had that Hogan had. Let's be frank. That John Cena has. I John Cena had that for children, but I don't think that. Like I think that the ring of it honor was, is no, it's fun before. to boo. It's fun to boo him. It's so fun to boo John Cena. Like, let's be fucking honest. It's what really a fun, fun to shit on people who are like all the baby faces in the WWF. And this was much more a thing in the eighties when you're talking about dusty booking in the NWA, where it's like, they come off like guys who believe in the secret. Yes, they do. Like wrestling baby faces are like you can just achieve anything if you believe it. And then you're like, you're six five you're the rock though. Like I'm yeah. not six five. I couldn't be you because when I run, it's slower than you. Yeah. That's you can there's not you, no amount of like I could outrun Usain Bolt that's gonna work. Yeah. You can be anything if you're like me. You have perfect body fat and when you come, it's actually money. <laughs> I know all you do is you drink your own cum. That's how you gain muscle. My own cum yeah. is creatine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's the fun thing about me, John Cena. I are you ready? I was just given eighty dollars by a nice guy, John. Cena. <laughs> but it's one of those things where it's like, we, yeah, we did make it in football, but now look at us in real life. It's like, yeah, you. If you played professional football, things were already great. There, I, the only thing, uh, episode of Tell the Divas I've ever watched is I watched a YouTube clip where Daniel Bryan and whatever his wife's name is. I can never remember which Bella he's married to. Nikki. He's married to Nikki. They tour John Cena's house where Brie Bella and John Cena live. And I remember that uh, they, go into John, they go into John totally Cena's. Brie. Is Brie and Daniel Bryan and Nikki mm. and all right, whatever the fuck. Anyway, they go into John Cena's cigar smoking room, and Daniel Bryan goes, "This is bigger than the, the this room is bigger than the top floor of our house." Never forget. Like, <laughs> whenever they're like, "Why isn't John Cena relatable?" And it's like because he has a full waterfall in his driveway. A full waterfall. Also, he does this insane. Like he like wakes up at four a.m. to like try and learn Spanish, and he still hasn't. And good it's on Chinese. Him for keep going. It's Chinese, which oh, is it's, so funny. He just tries to learn Mandarin every day at four a.m. 
I think he's got it because he's one of he's like the brand ambassador in China for the WWF. Because let's not let's be clear, Vince McMahon was like, "Oh my God, a market!" Like Vince McMahon is currently selling uh, has sold uh, the December to Dismember pay per view to the Chinese government, and they're just showing it to Uyghur captives inside a um reprogramming camp and they're just like if you, <laughs> if you do not renounce uh islam you're gonna have to watch the goddamn uh extreme elimination chamber again no 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 it drags on for so long it's just not that out that's what happens so we're gonna talk more about dusty roads maybe after this i can't believe i just did a uyghur joke <laughs> i'm broken and going through a divorce I'm a daddy now. Please donate to Patreon for Christ's fucking sakes. Give us some fucking money, you fucks. Patreon.com backslash wrestler review. Patreon.com backslash. So here's the thing with Dusty Rhodes in this period is that I've never seen someone go cocaine ego crazy without the cocaine. And also, this is the only time where you can say, like, actually, Ric Flair was the coherent voice of reason. Because basically what has happened is they get the first Starcade. And they are regionally a huge hit. This is the time when the Crockett territory is on fire and the rest of the NWA territories are fading all for the same reason that the um, Crockett territory is succeeding, which is like cocaine 80s excess overspending that at first helps the Crockett territory that hinders every other territory. And they go on to a bunch of big years of big houses and big sellouts where they are bouncing everywhere. The other thing that's not talked about is the NWA schedule was as grueling, if not more grueling than the WWF schedule, because I think they're just all in, they're all in cars or a private jet, just going around ridiculous roads being crazy. Like this is the period of time where I think Ric Flair almost got thrown in jail for speeding tickets. Like it's so fucking Mm -hmm. crazy. And you have to mention, like, as we said, Dusty's just Dusty's calling his own number, so to speak, quite a bit. Like he wins the world title in the previous however many years he won it twice. He also wins it like another two times in the next two Very years. Briefly. So basically, you know, here's how you know Dusty is. Here's how you know Dusty's about to get a title run. It's the Great American Bash Tour, and they'll do yeah. like a weird injury. He should be able to come back. They just broke his spine and killed eight of his kids. And then the next week, it's like, oh, my God, Dusty's back. He's resurrected the kids. He's making the kids give him money. Dusty's super fun to watch, and this is probably not going to win me any fans. And Go ahead. That is backwards. But is Dusty is. Rhodes sort of Triple H? Yeah. Or is Dusty Rhodes sort of Jeff Jarrett? Where it's like guys also, who are yeah. like upper mid carters who are like, I don't want to be a special attraction. I want to be the fucking main event. Not that they had like, not that there was anyone who was better than Dusty Rhodes on the show. Cause like, if you're watching the show again, the guys who jump out at you, but there is that effect where it's like the more success you have, the more confidence you have. Like, did you ever watch that show? Never mind. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Here's the thing that I always but, found fascinating about this time period is you look yeah. at the four horsemen and you look at Dusty Rhodes, and for some reason you're rooting more for for me, you root more for the four horsemen against Dusty Rhodes than you do against Dusty Rhodes. Like Dusty Rhodes in this time period, I always felt you're just kind of like for me, I was always like, I think so I want to punch him. Like it just I don't love the hard times promo the way everyone else does. I don't like I just find him kind of fine. Yeah, and it's like way more. Like the working man thing, as you said, was like this guy's the working man, but he's got a fucking main coat on for some reason. Yeah, like he's like he's the working man, but he just he just tried to t- he just tried to tip me with a a photo of himself. You know what I mean? That's your <laughs> wife. You know what I mean? Like that. I autographed photo? it, baby. The bill is paid. But like, uh, by you, I have your diamond <laughs> club card. Wow. 
Also, do you ever think that Dusty Rose tried to get a woo like uh, like Ric Flair did, but he never could master it? Like he's like, ah, Rick, uh, yeah, yeah, Rick, uh, 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 I got some hot tabs for you, Ric Flair. You going woo now? I got, I got mine. I go ha ha the woo. Or when I when I hit an opponent with a big elbow, I just go all right. How to make me a PB and James move? Yeah, do you think it's one of those things where it's like Dusty Rhodes also? They cannot be understated how much the Booker mentality probably takes over. Where it's like the the only people they're sure won't leave for the WWF is Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair. Yeah, and the reason, and like, and boy, were they wrong as it turned out. But no, but like, other- this is the reason why, though. This is the reason why the defense, the defense of Dusty always being in the main event is this guy's not going to leave. I, I I get that logic, but it's just also one of those things where it. In hindsight, the thing that the, the main problem wasn't just that it was the same show all the time. It was also that the people that they were using as those repetitive people in this sort of as the ring turned saga. Mm-hmm. It's very funny in that we kind of you occasionally say like, oh, the WWF has become WCW and the NWA. But it's in this weird it's sort of caught in this weird bloated face where they can't make any new stars completely. So it just becomes the same thing over and over and over again. And, and kind of sorry. And much like this period in the NWA, there's also this huge amount of just like it, they're, they're bleeding wrestlers. Like the other thing that's not talked about is every time you watch a Starcade, it's like watching a, a coming attractions for the next year's WrestleMania. You know what I mean? Where you're like, you see everyone on Starcade one? Well, they're about to be on a much more well-lit uh, arena in about 18 months. Oh, yeah, they're making more money, but they're also not going to have to hear. They're not going to have to also speak to Ric Flair when he's drunk as much as you think. Yeah, and they're also wearing like, and this is something that the NWA never didn't have. Was like they're always wearing like clean new clothes in the WWF. Yeah, like the WWF it's, was always like, oh, this guy's trunks are clean and they're new, and then you know the NWA were just like worn trunks. But another thing, I think, obviously, as I look at this, like this guy won television title, world title. He'd win the TV title back. He's the main. He's the main opponent for the Horsemen this entire time. And yeah. you have to change the show almost. Like that's the other thing is as the booker, I think you have to kind of change the show. Like, yeah, it can be in the way that he's comfortable booking always, you know, the heel being chased for the title by the baby face. But at some point you kind of gotta be like, all right, the four horsemen are great. Um, they effectively turned Rick Heel Rick Flair, sorry, heel again, because people forget that, like how loved he was as a baby face without the great idea of the four horsemen gimmick, but also it's like you kind of need to have like, okay, the baby face wins and it's just the WWF. Um, Let me ask idea. you this question. This is a weird, what do you think would have happened if they had kept Rick as the dusty character? He's the face. Dusty Rhodes leads the, what becomes the four horsemen. Dusty Rhodes. Oh, so dusty switch Rhodes, it up. Switch I it think, up. I actually think that that would have worked. Yeah, I think you could do a year of a great storyline. I think yeah. like, that's pretty much the NWO, to be honest. I think that that, and what's weird is I, but I do think that that would have let, they could have had like the first Starcade year. And then if they had had that, like the next two Starcade years, that actually might have protected them moving forward if Dusty had made mm-hmm. himself the bad guy again. Because then you're by the, t- so then it's 83, that's 84, 85. Then you're getting into 86. This is actually, that's actually what they should have done. Cause then you could have actually made Rick a bad guy because he's now like drunk with power wanting to hold the belt then it refreshes your whole territory moving forward that's how you beat the wwf rick flair actually runs for president I, I in 92 yeah, there you go thank you for taking it there. he 
he beats Bill Clinton in a uh, in the election and in a bothering interns competition. Mm. Starts World War Three. Uh, he has too many kamikazes uh, and uh, finds out what that word means, and then just full uh, physically attacks the president of Japan. Mm-hmm. He it publicly announces in his first speech that he's in an open relationship. That's his marriage, and then gets impeached forty five seconds and whatever yeah. disqualified from the presidency. Is that yeah, Rick, Rick, Rick Flair DP'd. as Rick Flair as he was being dragged out of the White House yelled, "If you thought January six was crazy, you don't even know what's fucking coming." And they were like, "What?" And he's like, "Oh, I'm from a parallel dimension." And then this whole <laughs> bit really got crazy. But Dusty Rhodes did come up with some great shit for as a booker, like the Great American Bash right, Tour he, is a great idea. I, I don't think it is. I, this is okay. something I'm glad we're bringing it up. The Great American Bash Tour sounds so. Here's the. There's many stereotypes of the '80s, but the '80s. My favorite thing is the '80s had this weird love of like, all right, we're gonna take things that are vaguely associated and we're putting them together. Do you like country music? Yes, I do. Do you like men touching? No, I do not. Well, guess what? A man is gonna wear a bathrobe, get out of a helicopter, and then touch a much fatter man for one hour. Do you want to watch that? <laughs> yes. Well, welcome to the Great American Bash. Um, also, I just like David the Allen Co. tried two, to. Of, sorry, of like the fact that you can see the thing, like you can see a big television event as many times and then it happens. Like you're promoing this one event for so long. You said David Allen Co. I'm very interested to hear the words that come after that. So, David Allen Co., are you ready? Are you fucking ready? I know right who now? David Allen Co. is. David Allen Coe was a country singer and he kept trying to steal Michael Hayes' Confederate flag um, cape that he wore to the ring mm-hmm. as a free bird. That was the main story of the uh, the Great American Bash tour that I always loved. Do you know some of the other David Allen Coe albums? Nope, but I have a feeling that David Allen Coe is about to be a real Dick Murdoch. Um, David Allen Coe. All right, I am so excited. So we're going to have to do David uh, Allen Coe is one of the he's like, because uh, here's the thing that no one talks about country music. Rock and roll ain't got shit on how crazy the country like George Strait did so much cocaine that he thought he was a duck for an entire tour. He has a song about being a chair. He's out of his fucking mind. Johnny Cash, they had to make so Johnny Cash, the movie Walk the Line ends with him getting engaged to June Carter and it looks like he stopped doing drugs. No, he relapsed like 45 minutes after the plot of that movie resolves and used to do so much speed. He'd go and attack his llamas. He thought so David Allen Coe basically I'm trying to get exactly uh, the so funny that I type in David Allen Coe and R and it didn't. Okay. 1980, he just released a straight-up album of racist songs. Oh, no. And that's 1980. When was when were they promoting uh, David Allen Coe's Great American Bat? Uh, Great years American? later. Years later. Many years have gone by. And then it's just... I assume David Allen Coe apologized for his album of racist songs. Dylan? Um, mm, I don't know if he has because he definitely has not i got news for you i got fucking dylan he so n-word n-word fucker was one of the names of one of his albums oh wow 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 um and um wow like i mean i'm gonna say this right now i expect a bit more subtlety from my racists and then there was like uh just a bunch of yeah just a bunch of 
the stuff about how Martin Luther King is just an N-word. Um, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a bunch wow. of crazy songs. I'm going to say it, guys. You I look feel up like... David, type in David Allen Cohen racist, and it's not, what are you talking about? I'll say that. It's just like a, just, and after that album of completely racist stuff, Dusty Rhodes and the NWA still are like, you know what? Good. Let's work with this guy. Yeah. Is the eight, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, he says it's satire, which everyone, that's what you do when you do something crazy. You just say, that's satire. I shot those people. I was satire. Yeah. I, um, you and on a satire. Oh, um, yeah. I keep, I keep doxing, uh, Al Sharpton satire <laughs> as satire. Yeah, I did yeah, this yeah. actually tons of satire to my, uh, family. My name is Chris Benoit. I sat Hello, my name is David Allen Coe. The only thing that I like is what OJ Simpson did to that woman who deserved to be treated that way. David Allen Coe. Satire. Satire. Um, do you think that. Dusty um, Rhodes, other good idea? Crockett Cup. Good idea. Oh, I agree with you. I love the Crockett Cup, and I think they should. I think they should bring back the Crockett Cup. I don't I know think why. They did in NXT. Uh, oh, they, sidebar to a sidebar. They call it Dusty Cup. They called it the yes, they did call it the Dusty Cup, but then it's different. It's the Dusty Cup, not the Crockett Cup. Anyway, it's We're a tag team tournament anyway, over two days. Exactly, you do tag team I loved tournament. It, it was get to win it's, something that's not the title. It's fun. Yeah, it's fun. It's also I love a time where it's like everyone's in a tag team. I love those types of gimmicks. Like just everyone's in a tag team. Fun combinations, different feuds can result. Fun 100%. little tag teams can be formed. War Games is still a great idea, and he just applied to a bunch of territory shit that didn't work. At, at the, the one the flaw also, with the war, the one Crockett's flaw with the war games, the one flaw of the war games is the ceiling is too low. That is, and it took them so yes. long to figure that out. That it took them a full twelve years before they were like, "Wait a minute, the wrestlers are tall. Should we maybe make the the ceiling of this cage so they can do some moves that involve people being mm -hmm. picked up?" And they were like, e "No, uh, yeah." <laughs> also, what I would amend for war games, which me, a man who's uh, recording a podcast video with legit the computer on his own bed because he has such little space. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I think there's too many people in it. I think that you shorten that shit to three because I completely agree nothing's going to happen. Nothing happens for so long. You're just watching spots and the whole idea of sports or wrestling is this could end at any time and you literally take that away. Actually, I will say this is uh, that is true unless it's four horsemen versus NWO, then they paced it perfectly. And they also mm -hmm. this is a weird thing. And this was clearly by accident, but they kind of go by size. So all the bigger wrestlers that take up more of the camera view come in later. So you get all like the high flying fun, like Aaron Anderson versus Sean Waltman stuff. And then they slowly add via size to the final guy and it's very very well done like the war games four horsemen versus nwo those two matches the fake sting match then the kurt henning betrayal match are the best war games because they basically address all of the problems dylan has with this this is again the thing is this is dust like dusty has all of these great ideas dusty also had a shitload of really weird lies and bad ideas too of like they're gonna make a tv program about us sally field is gonna appear on programming soon yes and his jealousy also gets pretty insidious in that he's starting to be aware of the business problems the NWA is having. He's starting to be aware of the machinations Turner executives are having, and he's not illuminating people like Ric Flair of how valuable they actually are. The other thing that Dusty is very good at is Dusty kind of controls and knows how to manipulate the egos of his wrestlers. Ric Flair is basically all he just wants to do is be a wrestler. So if you give him that, then he doesn't really give a shit. And if you are his boss and his friend, 
it's sort of your responsibility to make it clear to him. No, Rick, you can make a shitload of money, actually. Fucking get after it, bro. Yes. And we, we will talk about, of course, the end of Dusty Rhodes' run, which is he is helping get Sting over. The UWF has come in. But you they make the such UWF a great invasion. point. You make such he a great point. I wanna, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I want you to say what you said at the top of the show again about Sting and Dusty Rhodes' relationship because it's 100% true. I forget what I said. That he puts Sting's over, but he never does that thing of Andre to Hogan coming out and being like, this is the guy, baby, because Dusty can't let go. And you're 100% correct. That was sort of what was always missing from the Sting build. And Dylan, I want to kiss you on your fucking mouth. At the end of the day, wrestlers are amazing. Dylan, take it out. Take it out now. It's time. It's time. It's time for what every listener is waiting for us to have. Guys, join the Patreon to watch Dylan and I have full Zoom sex. <laughs> That I'm penetrating day, my asshole. They just pens. needed Jim Crockett to be more like Vince, where Vince is like, no, yes, yes, yes to all the ideas, where it's like, that's a good idea, that's a good idea. Okay, we'll go with all your ideas. But I, and Vince McMahon is, I, and it is a really good quality to have a great editor. Yeah. It just needs an, you need an editor when it's like, no, you have this booker who's like, Dusty Rhodes is a lot more like Vince Russo as a booker than people want to talk about where it's like and and bischoff talks about this in his podcast where it's like does he had all these crazy ideas and some of them didn't work and some of them did and it's way and i agree with bischoff on this where it's way more it's it's way easier to just do the same shit all the time rather than do fucking crazy ideas and some of them work and some of them don't and you get shit on when they're bad but at the end of the day who gives a shit and you need an editor to do that and they just didn't have that they had yeah. a money guy and then okay oh, dusty does the wrestling stuff which it's good to have one unified voice but when that unified voice is also on the show it's clearly going to muddle everything yeah and they don't give a fuck exactly but and the other thing is then you in the uwf invasion they booked them to fucking get murdered exactly like wcw and oh the my WWF god did. did they fucking ever it's even worse like there's a whole episode of nw of the nwa saturday night where it's just steve williams unable to figure out how to use a doorknob yeah, he's like, I don't know how. And then Dusty, do like, I lick show it? You. Do I lick it? Yeah, and then he just, and then he gets confused and gives him all of his money. Yeah, there's a the there's show. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, the Freebirds were in the UWF at the time, and there's a full episode of NWA Saturday Night where they're just shitting in each other's mouths, going, "Are you the toilet? Are you the <laughs> toilet?" <laughs> and everyone says that Dusty Rhodes leaving the NWA is like, obviously at that time it seemed like a huge blow, but keep in mind that '88. 89 are like two of the best years for for wrestling in the history of the NWA because Dusty gets out of the way. Of course, as we mentioned off the top, basically no blood. Okay, I'll just get stabbed. Oh, by the Dusty Rhodes was like, you can't fire me. I'm Dusty Rhodes. And then they were like, no, this is Turner. We don't care. Yeah, And also you've got been replaced by like Luger, even though they never really fully put Luger over replaced by Luger. They're already doing the um, Dusty Rub, the exact same thing they did with Magnum TA three years earlier to Sting. And Sting is going over way better than Luger, and even Magnum TA did. Mm -hmm. The other thing you have to remember is Dusty never looked like a star to people from outside of wrestling, which sounds very weird, which was even I, inside of wrestling, had to be told, you know, Dusty Rhodes used to be the NWA champion. It's not an assumption. Like, you see Ric Flair, and you're like, oh, that guy won the belt somewhere. Sting, you see Sting, and you're like, well, he's clearly like, the big good guy, you know what I mean? Of this mm. promotion. Like I remember seeing a, a sting figure at a friend's house and I was like, 
who's this? And they're like, that's like Hulk Hogan, but he jumps in this other wrestling organization, WCW. And you're like, that's so fucking cool. It's just they did it. Uh, not, that's this sounds weird, but it's kind of like Dusty Rhodes. If I was to if someone had watched only wrestling from the year 2000 onwards, oh, I would describe that those them people as, exist. Dude, there's people who are like, I like old school wrestling, like the boogeyman were <laughs> age is a weird thing. But anyway, I would be like, what was Dusty Rhodes like? And I'd be like, oh, imagine if Colt Cabana was booked like The Undertaker. Yeah, that's where it's very like a fun, super yeah. fun to watch guy and like a great part of the show and amazing. But like, like he's smiling ear to ear in all his promo photos, but his forehead looks like he was in an internment camp. Yeah, it's the other thing is Dusty. Like, why is does that also, nice man have yeah. so many scars? Who's the challenger for this athlete's belt? Uh, the guy wearing the ill-fitted, uh, the ill-fitting varsity jacket, who's eating a full gordito before he gets in the ring. And then a close on this. We'll do. Uh, my- baby, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fart on you, Ric Flair. I got a gordito. <laughs> I do want to see, and it does stink that Kayfabe was so in in the 80s because he had some feuds with Terry Funk, um, blah, 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 like actual wrestlers, but he also had one with Abdullah the Butcher, which must have been awesome in the ring where it's just two guys touching bellies, punching each other, and then out of the ring. Like, you imagine if this happened now, the Instagram lives of just them being like, he won the match, but I'll win the pie-eating contest, and it's just a full hour of nonstop chewing. The Abdullah the Butcher Dusty Rhodes match was basically like if there was a barroom brawl at the Heart Attack Grill in Las Vegas. <laughs> and Dusty Rhodes, I'll say this, missed the opportunity to be like, oh, how does this guy win all his matches? And he missed the opportunity uh, of like, oh, he's fat. Why isn't he have it? He never had any I'm fat moves. Who, uh, Abdullah the Butcher or Dusty Rhodes? Dusty Rhodes. Dusty yeah, Rhodes that's never a great point, splash, actually. Never had a sit, he never sat on anybody. He never wanted to make light of the fact that it's like, why isn't this guy use how fucking fat he is? Yeah, that's a, yeah. He he never was like a guy who did an avalanche. Like his biggest move, never. Was he just went. He sp- he put his he he mm-hmm. he did a dance move and then elbowed a guy and elbowed a guy in the face. Yeah, but he never was like check out how fucking fat I am. Which I guarantee was like no, I need to be taken seriously. I won't point out that I I would eat the ring if I got hungry. Nice, Don. Do you want to do best and worst? Do you want the highest lowest point? Say more things both. about Dusty Rhodes. I got both. What are I got your both. conclusions? Let's just do this as a Okay. Get both. Low point of Dusty mm. Rhodes was um, how he left the NWA. He was clearly burnt out, and it's just mm. so fucking stupid because it's uncomfortable to watch, and it negatively affected the entire tag team division because he turned the Road Warriors heel for no reason, which mm. meant they also had to turn the Midnight Express face for no reason. And it caused huge true. turmoil in the tag team division. So that is the low point, but that's the not the worst. Worst thing about Dusty Rhodes in this period is he would just call home to hear his son cry and then say, <laughs> it's because you're not a big boy. That's why I'm not home. High point of Dusty Rhodes, I'm going to say is the Great American Bash Tour. The first or second one where they literally like you couldn't get a ticket to it. It was only in the South. Ric Flair's arriving in helicopter. Like it's the like fucking coolest shit ever best thing about dusty Rhodes in this time period i'm gonna say it i'm gonna fucking say it are you ready the amount of different insane injuries he got that he could then come back from and win the nwa title for three days is so funny like it's literally like they just broke both of his legs and shit in his dad oh he's fine like it's just like it's yeah. just like 
They set his entire hometown on fire and punished his favorite dog. He's okay. Like, oh my <laughs> God, David, David Allen Coe has to speak to someone with a tan. Dusty Rhodes is having a stroke as a result. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think the high point um, for yeah, but Dusty. You also, also do best what? and worst. That's how good I am at wrestling Whoa. stuff. <laughs> at this at this podcast specifically yeah, yeah, yeah. what's this podcast called <laughs> welcome to the wrestling stuff i'm john god that's my host dylan hastings i've got a bunch of baguettes up my butt let's talk the i think the I'm best sh- part of dusty I've Rhodes. Been shitting the whole time <laughs> i think the best i mean the high point is the hard times promo even oh, if yes. they even if it ended in like Dusty wins the title and then oh looks it was a Dusty finish DQ and I also think that's the low point where it's like that's the entire that like promo and then the result of that match are exactly why the NWA didn't like get a crazy foothold not that that would have mattered I think we oh they would have beaten Vince no they wouldn't have like there, there's you can't stop something like that where Vince McMahon was like, oh, I'm going to use these new debt laws to spend so much money that you guys are fucked and you guys are going to use these new debt laws to like get carpets you shouldn't of your bankrupt. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like J- like Jimmy Crockett's like playing the uh, toxic de- uh, debt market so can he uh, afford more Fabergé eggs for his foyer? <laughs> yeah. Like it's I the whole thing of like you. There was a whole month right. where Dusty Rhodes, all he did was have souffles delivered to places that you shouldn't have yeah. souffles delivered. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. just. Here's what no one's talking about: Dusty Rhodes on the road spending Crockett's money must have been so much fucking fun. Why is there an inflatable pirate ship uh, in the locker room area, baby? Pirate ship. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think the high point for Dusty Rhodes is probably winning that third world title in the '85 Starcade. And oh, you got to say the low point is getting fired. <laughs> yeah. Because well, 85 Starcade is, I'm the booker, I called my own number, and it fucking worked. Like, we're on fire right now. Yeah, and like, it, we're, yeah, we're literally covered in money. star in the show. Yeah. Pardon Can't me while I just go, that. I'm just going to go, I'm going to go scream at a banker because you just gave me 50s. What am I, a poor person? I want hundreds. Yeah, and then the low point for sure is basically being like, you can't fire me. We totally can. You're fired. Like, that's got to be, even though he immediately goes to the WWF and makes even more money and probably with a way less workload and gets to work with his son, which must have been, I mean, in some way fun. Yeah, I mean, it would have been. Know, it's, Dusty Rhodes as a father, uh, you could a lot could be improved, probably. Yeah, <laughs> I could say, it, actually, but, definitely. But, yeah, the one it, it was great for him to work for his son. It was a bit probably off-putting for Dustin when Dusty Rhodes kept being surprised by what his voice sounded like. That's your voice? Like he kept being ah. Like <laughs> I don't <laughs> well, know. I, I guarantee just, that just a I bleak mean, thing to picture. Just like wait, that's your voice? Ah. I, could, I could feel Do the joke like again, part- John. You fucking loser. <laughs> Go ahead. Part three is going to be a lot bleaker because it's clearly Dusty Rhodes is like, I love you, my son. You are the best part of my life. Oh, you're talking to someone else who's important to you? We do not associate anymore. I have to be everything or you are nothing to me, baby. And then just booted. Yeah. Uh, Are you doing that movie with Madonna? That's a lie you made up, dad. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, I think Dusty Rhodes is amazing as much as we like kind of. I completely agree. I think he's incredibly, incredibly important. And I can't wait for next week when we talk about the polka dots. And I'm going to say the best angle involving the million dollar man when million dollar man um, uh, uh, hi- like hires Sapphire to wear a fur coat just to fuck with Dusty Rhodes. It's the funniest thing ever. Oh, and uh, we're going to get to talk about something that I look back on fondly because 
You know why? It was like uh, during the heat of my most I will watch any wrestling anytime era, which was Dusty Rhodes and ECW. Which I don't oh, think it's shined on yes. a lot. Where it's like, and Dusty Rhodes is the commentator. Let's not forget mm-hmm. Dusty oh, Rhodes, very is the fucking commentator. Because it's it's Bobby Heenan and Tony Schiavone, an unsung excellent commentary duo. And then they literally, it's like if Dylan and I did this podcast, and then there was a man who spoke Polish just interjecting with stories. Just like, man, yeah. Or like, even better, him and him and Mike Tanay, where Mike Tanay was like, oh, this actually started in Mexico. And then Dusty Rhodes would go, who cares, baby? Who cares about Burrito Land? He didn't WCW, nah. And just yeah, would yeah. cut the legs out of any fact, oh. where it's like, if you know facts, you are a loser. I am Dusty Rhodes. I am speaking clearly while eating three hot dogs. Yeah, yeah. It's very important to remember that Dusty, uh, Paul Heyman, and I kind of think this is true, and then we will stop. Two things. Two, one. One, mm-hmm. go watch any pay-per-view that Dusty Rhodes, a commentator on. The amount of times he yells where the big boys play, this is WCW, oh, is yeah, phenomenal. It's phenomenal. I forgot, about, I forgot about I think he was being paid to say that. Two, and I can't stress this enough, Paul Heyman claims he got his start in WCW because he just showed up at a booking meeting. It was like, I'm here to learn booking from the great Dusty Rhodes. And Dusty Rhodes was like, that's right, you are. Sit down and shut up, kid. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I know how exactly how to get something. Compliment this fat man. Ooh, yeah, I yeah, yeah. All right. Sean, I, plug your Twitch. It's uh, twitch.tv backslash untitled Twitch stream, twitch.tv backslash John Hastings comedy. Dylan is still refusing to appear on that Twitch. Uh, yeah. oh, and please join our enough. Patreon to get the video. Enough. Dylan is currently flipping me off and he is he is not wearing trousers. Yeah. But I can't see. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not from the waist down, baby. It's all yeah. pubes. It, it is. It, Dylan has Dylan has a fat penis, but it's weird. He also he takes hair growth, um, uh, hair growth cream that's usually used to recover people's hair growth after chemotherapy. And he's rubbed it all over his crotch area. So what it looks like is it looks like Dylan's crotch. looks like if Sasquatch had a um, anteater style beak. <laughs> oh, also guys, uh, wrestler review on Instagram, all one word wrestler review on TikTok, all one word wrestler review on Twitter, all one word. We'll be back next week with part three, patreon.com backslash wrestler review. If you guys want to get the episodes ahead of time, as well as we did an episode with the nasty boys this week, ordered by fucking Eric, you fucking piece of shit. And then that was up for a download on the video and the audio as well. And uh, if you want merch, redbubble.com backslash people for some reason, backslash wrestler review for merch. You can get a clock you can get a t-shirt. You can get anything, baby. Thanks very much for listening, guys. We'll be back next week. As I said, Dusty Roads Part 3. Enjoy your day, week, year. Bye-bye. Take it out and shit in my brain. That was great. You go render it. I'll see you next week. Fuck, fuck, fuck.